0: Welcome back to the Star Wars Universe Podcast. Today we're talking about The Mandalorians, Season 1, Episode 6, The Prisoner. We're talking about The Mandalorian's old friends and how well they get along. We're talking about robots and Yodas and how they get along. And we're talking about X-Wings that blow things up just because an alarm goes off with absolutely no information whatsoever. All this right after an ad that we have no control over. Matthew your host joining me as always for the Mandalorian is Jeff Randall Jeff how are we doing today
1: fantastic sir really excited to get back into the Star Wars stuff uh after you moved
0: yeah I was very rude I moved meant we had to take a couple of uh a weeks off to get everything back in order yeah it was re- I realized it'd been a while since I watched these episodes um uh and not uh been a while since I watched these episodes so I was excited to dive back in and this is um I think I'm not sure if this is my favorite episode or if it's just my favorite of these kind of middle bottle episodes, because it's very much a bottle
1: episode. Oh yeah, but absolutely. wow, is it a good one? Yeah, this is, um, I would say this is my number two of the like self-contained episode in a bottle, mm-hmm. um, kind of kind of things. Only because Cara Dune is Bay and that yeah. one will always be number one. That's fair. That's fair.
0: Um. For those who don't remember, uh, let me give a quick summary. The Mandalorian contacts his former partner, Ran Malik, for work. Uh, Ran is always going to be um, Bobby Elvis to anybody who was a Sons of Anarchy fan like I am. Um, (laughs) Absolutely. Ran welcomes him to a space station and informs the Mandalorian that he needs needs his ship for a five-man job. He is joined by ex-Imperial sharpshooter Mayfield. Devorian strongman Berg... Droid pilot Q90 and Twi'lek knife expert Zeon for a mission to rescue Zeon's brother Quinn, a prisoner of the New Republic. After infiltrating the prison ship, they fight through security droids, make it to the control room, where the ship's security chief triggers a security beacon before being killed by uh, Zeon. The crew rescues Quinn, but double-crosses the Mandalorian. He escapes and defeats every crew member, then captures Kin q 90 finds the child after deciphering the Archive transmission from Grief Karga, but is shot by the Mandalorian before he can harm him. The Mandalorian delivers Quinn to Ron and departs with his payment. Ron immediately moves to launch a fighter to kill the Mandalorian, but discovers the New Republic beacon has been placed on Quinn, leading a trio of X-Wings to Rann station where they attack. In the final scene, Mayfield, Berg, and Z'ron and Xion are revealed to be locked in a cell on the prison transport, Having been spared by the Mandalorian, that's so yeah, so uh, yeah, that's a uh, um. I keep bouncing around. Wikipedia seems to give a pretty good, uh, pretty good summaries. Uh, so, what'd you like about this episode? You know,
1: I like, I like that we're getting more of the, um, the the I don't want to say the standard Western uh, characterizations, but definitely more of the you know the the broad scope of your western characterizations that you see a lot you know you get the yeah you know the ex military crazy guy the you know the crazy knife person the the super strong silent type strong guy the um, old crew that we're not sure if we're still friends or enemies with yeah yeah you get the 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 guy that's like oh i don't do missions anymore but we we go way back yeah like, it's it's got all of the pieces there of that classic heist story and you know, if we're if we were D anD D players, this would be uh, a one shot that he comes into that is absolutely just like, you know, you come in for the week, you set your character sheet down. I'm the Mandalorian. Let's play. You know, good game, everybody. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> See you next week.
0: <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I I you know I I it's weird. I I like tropes, but I don't like cliches. Um, I like when they. And I think what I mean is I like when they take a common story, but then put their own spin on it in some ways. And that I can't just predict every moment that's going to happen. I definitely felt that way with this episode. It was clearly a trope, you know, when the double cross comes, it's not a huge surprise by any means, um, but it was fun. They really played with the trope in some good ways. They gave us some interesting characters, the you know, I was going to say that the X-Wing response in that is kind of ridiculous and stupid. It's but so ridiculous. often a trope in those is that the Federales will come, you know, just when you need them in a completely illogical way. So maybe that's also playing into a Western trope. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, it's the Marshall showed up. Yeah. But yeah, you know, it was a little bit of a heist mo It was a little bit of a heist, which is always fun. It was a little bit of a, like, who can trust who um. I, I like the Mayfield character quite a lot because it, um, you know, he struck me as the, he's very defensive about having been, uh, Imperial in the past, which I thought was interesting. Um,
1: yeah, I just, I just liked it all. And then, you know, the, the characters that were the, the, the actors that we got in these characters do such a great job. I mean, the, we had Nymphadora Tonks, we had Bill Burr, we had, uh, your, your, um, Bobby Elvis friend, yep. you know, Something we had so many.
0: Who, whose name is actually Mark Boone Jr. No, it's great not. Actor. It's Bobby Elvis.
1: Okay, okay, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we I... had we had so many great actors that came in for these just teensy tiny parts. I think Clancy Brown was in there, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he might have been. He might have been. It was it was a real ensemble force. Um.
0: Yeah, and and I I just like also seeing some more of the um the different races that are hanging around. You know, seeing the Twileks, um the brother-sister thing was interesting. I, I did think Quinn's character, like, you know, the overly flirtatious uses her sexuality as a weapon character is most definitely a trope in these things. Yeah. Hers was a little over the top. <laughs> um, but but I definitely I, I thought she was a fun character. Um yeah, I I will also say I like this because the fight scenes all felt earned. And all felt like both they were great character studies or they were just incredibly badass. Right. Um that and I'm normally not a fight scene guy. But like that scene in the strobe light where where um the Mandalorian is just kind of sneaking up on Mayfield, oh, that
1: was that was terrifying. That was such a good scene. He's he's a real scary guy when he gets in his element. And especially yeah. um when he Like when he just kind of is establishing that dominance that has to happen on the team, you know, Mm -hmm. when uh, when all the the droids are walking up and he's just like, I got this. I'll take out the whole squad by myself. It's like, okay, yeah, that's this is the guy. This 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 is the Mandalorian. Yeah. that, That I have been waiting to see. Like, this is the guy whose religion is weapons. And I thought it was fun
0: because. Like, we've talked a lot about the role that, like, sort of news versus myth and story plays in this world. And I liked seeing that all these people had, like, you know, this was probably the first Mandalorian they've seen. I was going to say seen in the flesh, but seen in the metal (laughs) um, because they never see any flesh. Um, You know, and and so I liked the idea that they'd all heard these, like, rumors about Mandalorians. And some of them had, you know, kind of positive connotations. And some of them were just terrified of them uh, or just that kind of, like... Oh, I've heard you're pretty badass. I don't think you're so bad. You know, that kind of thing. Um, It was, just, it was a fun little of world building to see.
1: Yeah, it was kind of... Uh, it, it felt a lot like the way that every brigand in The Witcher series wants to screw with witchers in some way. How they're like, yeah. I've never played with a witcher before. It's like, okay, yeah, that's why you're still alive. Yeah, well, because I think that's the thing is
0: like, talk about a great drinking story. You know, if you can say you took down a witcher, you took down a Mandalorian you're drinking for free the rest of your life. um, And so I can see it's that kind of like machismo, you know, I got to be the one to say I can do this. Um, None have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. And I, I found I liked um, like Berg, I thought was a really fun character, especially because he's portrayed as, you know, the kind of big strong man who's also dumb as a box of rocks. Yeah. Um, but he has some kind of like animal cunning and and intelligence, um, and and the humor that they played with him around, um, I I am once again reminded that there really needs to be an OSHA in the Star Wars universe who right? puts on some kind of safety precautions around doors, um, because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you don't have like hundreds of people being accidentally crushed by doors, um, but that was a wonderful like you know, call back to the first episode when, you know, the Mandalorian tries to drop a door on him. Uh, Berg catches it and kind of does a, like, grin. And so Mandalorian just, like,
1: squeezes him from two doors coming side to side. Yeah. He's he's really just lucky that that door, uh, rather the double doors, so to speak, existed right, uh, in there instead of just being the one because that could have ended poorly.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would have... <laughs> You know, like I said, I'm not quite sure I understand starship design on those things. Nah. Um, also, is it just me or did it seem like for a prison ship, the security was remarkably low? Well,
1: you know, it, it was mostly droids. This is how I'm headcanoning this. I uh, I learned from the best with, uh, with Matthew Carroll. <laughs> um, it's mostly droids. They don't really expect anybody to be able to get out. You know, because the, they don't open from the inside, obviously, and you can't reach through. So they're not expecting people to be able to to um, get out of the cells. Right. And then there's a person there to determine whether or not to use a beacon. And if they use the beacon, then the um, the X-Wings to show up and destroy it. And then all the prisoners are dead.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about that. <laughs> that was perhaps the... Um, <laughs> <laughs> One part of the ep- like I watched it the first time through, and I was like, "That doesn't make any sense." And then I watched it a second time through. Like, okay, well let me let me pay more attention this time and see if I can find the details. Nope. Um, nope. Still bad. <laughs> so so let's see. I understand really questionable. here. Questionable. We have this beacon where, if it's ever sent off, the Republic will send X wings to just utterly no questions asked come in and destroy everything. Which, first of all, we're executing prisoners, which generally kind of frowned upon yeah. uh, in most <laughs> civilized societies, especially if it's like, you know, the buddies of one people, one person are being uh, rescued. Why does everyone else got to die? Um, right. right. But right. Even, if the... it's, even if it's a very specialized, like, because it's a prison ship, you only hit the beacon if it's taken over. That means it's time to blow it up. Why then they're like, okay, well, now this beacon's on a random space station, but they happen to be launching a ship at the moment. Okay, nuke them. Um, <laughs> it did not make any sense whatsoever.
1: That's not where that goes. Blow it yeah. up. Blow the whole thing up.
0: <laughs> like, and it was a, you know, I, I like, uh, on on my other uh, podcast, Superhero Ethics, we're uh, in a couple of weeks going to be recording an episode about espionage. And um, talking about one of my favorite TV shows, Burn Notice. And in that show... The hero is very good at like getting other people to do his dirty work for him. Um and what the Mandalorian does is very much that kind of thing. You know, it's a you don't want to necessarily kill the people, but you frame them such that, you know, the when when the the big government types come rushing in, you know, the guys you don't want to deal with get blown up and everything's okay. Um and so I thought that it was like a fun dynamic to play with. It was just so I wonder if this is the kind of thing where in like a longer episode, they would have been able to explain it more and maybe even say like, this is sort of a sign of the New Republic doesn't really have its stuff together because it's doing dumb stuff like this. But
1: as it was, it just seemed like it was so badly written. Yeah. I mean, if you think too much on it, it it starts to <laughs> kind of like come apart at the seams. Yeah. Um, the The idea of blowing up a prison ship killing all the prisoners regardless of who's actually like the target or who's doing wrong uh who's in charge who's there whatever like that's bad uh, yeah <laughs> then there, then you uh you think from the mandalorian's perspective the uh the the guy the the guy that he went so far back with and the prisoner that um, that he rescued are not the only two people on that space station. Yeah, there are several people who had nothing to do with what was going on. Nothing involved.
0: This is the contractors on the second Death Star
1: argument. I'm I'm with yeah, you. Here. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Roofers and plumbers and all that all that jazz. Yeah. So a lot of people died in the crossfire of this whole like. what 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 was there there what was what conflict was there between the mando and his old buddy like did he want the bounty did he i i mean what we get told is that in some way
0: like the mandalorian turned his back on them and that's what got uh the brother quinn uh arrested in the first place um but why that? What like I clearly the Mandalorian didn't just chicken out, you know. I think I think it's supposed to be that in some way they were doing something that violated his code. Um. Again, I I I got, it makes me feel like they wrote this episode and kind of forgot that it was a half hour series and kind of were thinking this was gonna be a 50 minute. Because it just seems like there's so much backstory that's just left on the table.
1: Um. Yeah, I mean, at the beginning of the episode, though, he says like. You know, one of our own got caught, and we're we're putting together a thing to spring him. Right. But if that's the case, uh, the Mandalorian, as far as we understand it, has been gone for a while. So this is not, like, a recent development of the, the guy getting captured, of Quinn getting captured. Right. Yeah, I mean, I had the sense, like, they
0: worked together, like, f- five years ago. Yeah. Um Especially because... When he says one of our own got captured, the Mandalorian doesn't realize he's talking about Quinn, which tells me that Quinn's been in prison for quite some time. Yeah. Um I I also liked okay. the uh the um interplay between the robot, uh the droid, and Baby Yoda. Um oh,
1: uh, Zero. Zero played by yeah. Richard Aoadi. Who is that? Uh he's played by Richard Ayoadi, who is um Ma- uh, Maurice Moss in the IT crowd. Oh,
0: okay. Nice, nice. Yeah, and, and like it's funny because that sort of insectile kind of persona at first, you think it's some kind of alien race. So it was fun that that was a, a droid, and, and I liked his character. I mean, I do. He reminded me a lot of the uh, droid from um, Rogue One, who, like, you know, has no oh, sense yeah. of tact. Is perfectly fine saying, "Well, like, yes, I am more intelligent than you. I do have faster reflexes than you." <laughs> um, and, and but what I but I was still missing was so why does he want to kill the child? I, I get that he sort of saw that there's a big bounty for the child, but wasn't that still the bounty is worth a lot more alive. Did you understand why he was deciding to shoot the child?
1: I uh no. I okay. mean the 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 hunter the HK droid that was um Taika Waititi droid in the in the first episode was just defaulting to kill the child as well.
0: That's so also maybe true.
1: Yeah. maybe the droids are just like, you know what? I'll take the lesser bounty if it's just easier to bring the shit in.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And certainly I did, you know, we've talked a couple episodes about how the child is developing all these force powers and we don't want it to just be like the child is the super wizard who can take care of everything. So I thought it was really fun that the that moment when the child like knows it's in danger, raises its hand to do some kind of force power. And then the head of the droid just blows up and we, we realized later that this was Mando shooting the droid. But there's that wonderful moment of the child, like looking at its hand and kind of doing, like, "Did, did I do that? Um,
1: <laughs> I can do that." Yeah. <laughs>
0: so that oh, was man. that was
1: a that was a fun little moment. The child is just Baby Yoda is just so damn adorable. Yeah.
0: No, it's this it's whole series. It's so funny too because, like, maybe it's because it's so perfectly paired. But I feel like if you told me at the beginning of 2020. That we were going to get a TV show, or 2019, since that's when it happened, that we were going to get a TV show that was about, like, a dark, grim portrait of the Star Wars universe in which, like, a character never takes off his mask and is very cynical and people shoot each other all the time and people betray each other. And it's a very, like, you know, grim, dark Star Wars world that also has the cutest creature to appear on a screen in the last 20 years. (laughs) I, I would not have thought those two things would go together. Um but in some ways they feel kind of perfect. I feel like this much grim dark world without baby Yoda would be hard to take. Um and on the flip side, something as so clearly meant to manipulate the audience into cooing and ooing and awing as baby Yoda yeah. is in <laughs> any other television show, I think would feel so overly saccharine. Um but this is it is just like the perfect, you know, it's that sort of thing where like the main dish is so spicy that you can put something this sweet in it
1: because it just kind of balances (laughs) each other out. Yep. Yep. That's, that's kind of exactly it. It's, it's the, uh, you know, they're, they're playing to extremes in almost every character on the show, uh, and really almost every characterization on the show, Mm -hmm. but it's not, excuse me. Uh, it's not like, It's not a caricature, though, of each uh, of each, you know, normal trope. It's it's really it's doing it's paying homage to each one. And it's it's really doing each one justice, uh, kind of in the way that things should look to this as the kind of the rule on, you know, being an extreme or being the, you know, the the paragon of that one particular virtue or whatever right and not going too far with it to to me it's the
0: difference between um having a character that fits within a trope but is a very well fleshed out exploration of a particular version of that trope is very different to me than cardboard cutout cliche who feels like you know the the damsel in distress who feels exactly the same as 20 other damsel in distresses from 20 other movies, you know, none of these yep. characters feel like cliches. They all feel tropes. They all feel like they you can compare them to these other characters, but they still are very unique and distinct in really interesting ways.
1: I agree. Um, I w- I would also say that, you know, the, the word trope gets thrown around a lot with a negative connotation. And that's not necessarily how it needs to be, yeah. Um, tossed around, just because. Jeez, <clears throat> I'm so bad at taking care of my throat. Just because you know something is similar to or inspired by something else doesn't necessarily mean it's just a, a carbon copy, right? And you know you can you can explore different things while still having a lot of things the same. It's it's what makes it familiar and and a more um, you know, an easier in for that exploration. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know that I necessarily like the connotation that goes along with trope, but I do understand where you're coming from.
0: Well, I guess that's what I'm saying is I'm saying that like, to me, what I think of as the bad version of a trope is a cliche. Whereas yeah. I'm saying like, to fall within a trope, there's nothing wrong with that if you make it an interesting exploration of it. You know, to say yeah. like, I'm going to make another Tony Stark, that to me is boring. But to say, I'm going to make another troubled billionaire you know billionaire playboy who's t- i mean actually for example, like you know you could say that um Tony Stark and Bruce Wayne are very much the same trope, but they're very distinctly different versions of that character um because yeah I, I don't think trope is a bad thing. I think relying on tropes can be a problem, or like you know if there's a particular trope that I think is overplayed and overdone, then i'm going to be critical of media that that goes back to that well again, but you know when's the last time we got a western? On television, I'm I'm all for like give us some <laughs> right? some Western tropes, you know this, this is fun. Like it, it's bringing back a lot of Firefly stuff, and we didn't get nearly enough Firefly. So
1: yeah, I was gonna say Firefly was pretty much the last Western we got. Yeah, and it was also a space Western.
0: Yeah, the sci-fi Western. Which I have to say, the more I look at um the Mandalorian ship, does it look a little bit like Serenity to you? It
1: does.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I'm not the only one who's getting that feel. It's not
1: as or it I don't think it's as big as serenity, yeah, um just because serenity has so many different you know chambers and compartments, and you know they did the the, the huge walkthrough of the ship in the the opening of the movie um i it looks in this in this like uh the razorcrest has like the cockpit and the bottom area. <laughs> Yeah, That's like about
0: it, it. It's much smaller, but it has a similar kind of feel. And it's very different, but it has a similar kind of feel to it. Um that just made me be like, I, I wonder if there's a little bit of an homage being paid there. Um, you know, it could be coincidence, but I'm not quite sure it was. Um yeah. You know, it was kind of a bottle episode. There was not a huge amount for us to talk about. Um is there other I wanna maybe go into a spoiler section for the rest of the season, but is there any other um things about this episode specifically you wanted to bring up?
1: no okay. no let's go into it
0: <laughs> well then for uh those of you who have not um seen the rest of the season this is a good time to tune out uh please remember to check our show notes for more information about the stranded panda network that this is a part of and how to support us on facebook twitter patreon all those good places for everyone else we'll get spoilers about the rest of the season in three two one i don't really know what we There's... learned that impacts the rest of the season
1: yeah, nothing it's a it is entirely self-contained
0: yeah it it it's nice though because I think it's it's not serving a plot, but it does give us more of his backstory. It tells us more about him um actually something I could have just discussed during the main story, but maybe it's it's kind of about his character. Why do you think it is that he basically very happily gets you know mayfield and and Bobby Elvis blown up, but he saves the life of the
1: others? Like he leaves them in the prison ship, but he doesn't kill them. It it's that betrayal thing. Um, you know, he like we said, uh he has a he he has that backstory with them that we don't know about where he betrayed them in some way, and like now it's the ultimate betrayal, you know, he called the law on him.
0: Right. Well, but he doesn't get the the like Zion, uh, Quinn and Berg, he doesn't kill them. He just leaves them on the prison ship, and they don't die. Um and, yeah, I'm not sure if that's because he's just kind of feeling randomly merciful or if maybe he feels like he owes them more of a debt or that they weren't, like, as involved in, like, the plotting to kill him or that they had better reason to want him dead. Um, I have no idea, but I just thought that was – it It clearly seemed interesting that they wanted us to know that he had the chance to kill all the crew members. He didn't, but that he – you know, he still got two of them killed, but not those other three. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: I don't know, man, yeah, I don't know, like <laughs> the it at first, it just seems really you know really not necessarily cliche, but you know, going along with the trope of you know it's kind of a it's a Disney plus show, so they didn't want to go too terribly dark, yeah, uh, but it is you know it is a western, so something has to happen to the bad guys, and they're on a prison ship, so it's you know yeah, it makes sense that they would end up in in jail in some way. Or in one of the cells in some way, but like, did he put them there, or did he just leave them there to get put in there? Right. I mean, um, certainly
0: that scene where he sneaks up on Mayfield and then attacks him out of the dark. I mean, I a hundred percent thought Mayfield was dead at that point. So yeah. Um, it it does make me wonder if part of what's happening is um that this is just that they want to keep they want to leave this door open to bring these characters back for something in season two. Um, you know that there's another team-up job they have to go on or they're they they run into each other on opposite sides of a job or something like that which I, i'd be up for like there's there's certainly a lot more of this particular chapter of the story that we didn't learn that i would love to get another like you know another go-around to these characters and learn more
1: about what their story is yeah i mean i'm really glad that they left clancy brown alive <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um but the the thing that i'm concerned about or the thing that i'm that i'm looking at with with awe and reverence and uh you know wanting to to dig in on is in uh the mandalorian's past he ran like he ran thieving jobs and he he was a he was a bad guy he he went along with these these this crew for what they said uh he said target practice Right. He said that's what he got out of it. And that's pretty That's kinda dark. (laughs) If you're yeah if you're just going along to be like, yeah, I'm just gonna shoot at stuff.
0: I mean I I might be people. I, I don't know enough about the Mandalorian culture to know you know, is it considered that being a hired gun for any cause is a legitimate, you know, this is the way? Or is like you know, I'm trying... I'm finding it hard to think of, like, how being a bounty hunter is legitimate, but being... I, I mean, I guess a bounty hunter is officially not a criminal. You're going after criminals, whereas the... um, uh, What's happening here is supposed to be more, like, legit... You know, even more illegitimate. Um, But, yeah, that's another issue I, I would love, to, again, to hear that more expla- explored at some point. And we know we don't get it in Season 1. But in Season 2, like, it'd be great if he spent some more time with Mandalorians and, they're like, this comes up. And they're like, you know... Either, well, yeah, you know, you follow the way, you got to do the hard things, or they're really critical of him for, you know, how could you run around with those those criminals when you're supposed to be following the way? Because um,
1: at this point, I just have no idea how that
0: fits into being a Mandalorian.
1: Yeah, I mean, he seemed, it didn't seem like he was bent up about it, or bent mm-hmm. out of shape about anything, but uh, when it when it got brought up, he was definitely like, that was a different time in my life, you know, I'm I'm a different person now, and... It's not, it's not necessarily the, you know, the Mandalorian lifestyle because he was already a Mandalorian at that point. Right. But maybe he, maybe he hadn't fully embraced it or something. I don't know. Yeah. Like maybe I, he hadn't taken his, his final vow or whatever.
0: I will say the fact that all of the other characters, except the ones who already knew him, have clearly like never met a Mandalorian before. Tells me that maybe it's not common for Mandalorians to be running around with like criminal gangs, because or else you'd think that some others would have done this before. um But again, yeah, there's just there's just a lot we don't know yet. So it's it's, and you know, it's filling in some of these details. It's raising a lot more questions. It's it's not the heaviest plot episode, but um, but it like I said, it 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 had enough. The the heist storyline was interesting enough, and the characters were enough fun. That I was perfectly happy to go along with the ride. This is a bottle episode. I definitely did not mind.
1: Yeah, and I'm not mad at it at all. Um, I would like to see what uh, you know, maybe what what policies were put into place in uh-huh. the New Republic to uh, to determine that prisoners just need to be you know mass executed anytime somebody rolls over on the button accidentally. Yeah. Uh. It, you know, I I talk about this a lot,
0: but. One of the questions I'm always interested in is how much credit do we give the writers? Um, And what I mean by that is situations where the writers are having a particular person or an organization do something stupid. And I don't know if it's bad writing or if it's because the writer is intentionally trying to tell us something about that institution. Because, you know, at this time when the Republic is just getting started and a lot of people don't give it respect, a lot of people don't even, you know, bother having anything to do with it. And we know that in 20 years, the Republic is supposed to be so corrupt and so weak that the First Order rises. Like, to tell us a story about the Republic being so overwhelmed and having no idea what to do with this criminal justice stuff that they're just blowing up prisoners to try and settle issues. Like, that's a fascinating story. That tells me a lot. Um, Yeah. Or if it's the writers really wanted to get some X-wings in for a cool battle scene at the end and didn't yeah. think through the connotations of it, that's a very different story.
1: Yeah, that's that's uh, that's bad writing. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I've heard of that.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> I haven't yeah. really
1: seen that in this so uh, far.
0: Excuse me, sir. You've watched Iron Fist. You've seen bad
1: writing. No, no. I haven't seen that in this series yeah. so far. No, I,
0: I agree. I mean, as that, part of what's funny is that I... I, I think this maze is one of my favorite episodes of the show, but it also has, like, one of the worst plot points of the whole show. <laughs>
1: it is one of the more troubling plot points, I would say. Yeah, I think it's very true. I think it's very true. Uh, any uh, last... Did you like, hear... Oh, go ahead. Uh, did you hear the news recently that uh, Ming-Na Wen is going to be coming back for season two? No. Okay. So So her character is not dead? Yeah, she's not dead. Whoever picked her up off of the uh the desert floor brought her back to life. Okay. Or for anyone uh, who's
0: not uh good with the actors' names, that's the in the gunslinger, that's the, 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 the bounty that they were after, who it seemed like the the young gunslinger killed, but then was picked up toward the end. So yeah, that's that's the next shand. In shand, yeah, it was. does seem like there's a lot of little sort of threads from the season that weren't really pulled on. So it'd be fun to see if we're gonna go back and do some of those. Um I was actually wondering, I saw that we are so this show was scheduled to release October of this year. Do you know have they already finished filming, or is this gonna be another one of those shows that because of the pandemic um filming isn't happening, and so they may have to really delay the uh the d- debut. Do you know
1: I have not heard yet okay. um i am i'll say i'm I'm not hopeful, <laughs> yeah. Because uh, the the news that was coming out for it was just, it was very similar to like, hey, we're, you know, we just figured this out. Let's go ahead and announce it. Um, and there there was like, there was news that Ahsoka Tano yeah. was going to be in season two. And that um, she was going to be played by... Uh, Rosario Dawson. God, what's her name? Rosario Dawson. Dawson. Night nurse. Yeah, Night Nurse. I was, I was like, Claire, it's Claire. Who's Claire? Claire, who plays Claire? <laughs> it, it,
0: <laughs> so on a, the uh, Bingers Assemble uh, podcast that Matt Carroll and I are doing about um, uh, Altered Carbon, the actress who plays Misty Knight from the Netflix Daredevil shows is on that, playing yep. a character, and neither he nor I can ever remember her name, so we just constantly refer to her as Misty Knight. So yeah, I, I yeah. We, we can call her Night Nurse in this, <laughs> or Claire. <laughs>
1: That's... That's perfect. Yeah. Because um, I do the same thing. I'm just like, she's holding that gun weird. Yeah. That's so different from her. Like, <laughs> did, Wait, she just punched that guy really hard. Shouldn't he have a hole in his chest? Oh, wait. Different shows, different paradigms. <laughs> right,
0: right. <laughs> Certainly after watching Altered Carbon, the lack of blood and violence and everything else looks so weird to me.
1: Right? Man, <laughs> yeah. I... Okay. So I just finished uh, Altered Carbon season two... I think last night. Okay. And I was reading a, a comic today. I was reading, um, house of M, like number three, I think. And I like, there was a blood spatter and I was just like, that doesn't look, that's nothing. That doesn't look like anything. You're, uh-huh. you're fine. Walk it off. But he had <laughs> yeah. like fallen off of a helicarrier into a skyscraper. Oh God. <laughs> so like, it should have been real bad.
0: <laughs> yeah. Standard standards change as you watch different things. Um, uh, since we're pretty deep into tangent land, uh, you about ready to wrap up? Or is there any other last things you want to bring up?
1: Uh, no, I'm i think I'm set for this one. Um, I will say though, if we look at writing credits on this on chapter six uh-huh. of the Mandalorian versus the rest of the series, the the people who are listed as having you know one episode writing credit are all the people that are on this episode. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. I would not have thought that's the case, but huh. Yeah, I mean, that might be disappointing,
0: depending on how you feel about it. I mean, it might also be why, you know, I think this is something you guys learned with Marvel, and and I, I have to remember, too, I'm used to the thought of, like, someone who comes on to write for one of these franchises, it's because they, you know, know the franchise inside and out the way the fans do, and they're excited to write about it. But sometimes you're just a professional writer who used to write on, you know, Home Improvement or something. And you get hired to be the funny guy on a Star Trek show or something like that. So I, I do imagine that there are those moments where, um, you know, something doesn't quite fit canon because the writer just doesn't didn't have the level of, uh, uh, I'm going to say, you know, canonic knowledge. Someone else might say useless geeky trivia. Um, either way, you know, like, <laughs> there it goes. But like I said, we, we can canon any of it. We're, in my mind, it's a sign of the deterioration of the New Republic. So there we go
1: yeah yeah
0: all right we'll say that well i like that fans let us know what you think uh we'd love to hear your thoughts on this and, and anything else we discussed in this episode uh you can find us on uh facebook and twitter both at uh star wars universe podcast uh and all that information is in the show notes uh, and of course you can also email us or contact us any other way you want um i think a carrier pigeon might get to my new house if you can find my address we well, I don't want to be inviting you to stalk me, so let's let's go away from that route. But any other electronic method you can do, go for it. Um, we'll also say that both Jeff and myself are part of a number of other podcasts on the Stranded Panda Podcast Network. Uh, I've mentioned Superhero Ethics, and um, Jeff is on the MCU cast for Marvel, as well as both Jeff and I have done episodes on the Bingers Assemble Network. There's a lot of great podcasts to find there. If you like people taking media and diving pretty deep into it, Great thing to check out all of those, uh, especially if you know you're you're either you're going to work every day because you're essential and we thank you for what you're doing, or you're staying at home and need some entertainment. Check out some of those podcasts. Um, Jeff, thank you as always. Thank you to all of our listeners. Please let us know what you think and have a good day.
1: As spoken.